If you are ready to reboot your health and maybe shed a few unwanted pounds, I've got great news for you. Our team at AIM7 has put together a simple and easy to implement playbook for toning up and shedding a few unwanted pounds. It has everything you need from a calorie and macro calculator so you know exactly how much to eat and what to eat, a shopping list, a supplement list, an exercise guide, and so much more. It's absolutely free when you join AIM7 as an annual member. And from now until January 19th, it's only $97 to join. That's a 36% savings. With AIM7, you get customized workouts tailored to your equipment, time demands, and more. Also, as an annual member, you get 30% off Thorn Supplements, which is a deal you can't find anywhere online. So to take advantage of this offer, click the link in the show notes and sign up for an annual membership today. Again, this is a limited time offer that expires soon. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Becoming a parent can derail even the most dialed-in fitness routines. I know, I've got three kids. So how do we care for our children, do our jobs, and stay healthy? Well, today I have leading sports dietitian Pratik Patel with me, and he's going to reveal his personal tactics for maintaining energy, strength, and body composition amid the chaos of being a new dad. So now he's actually in the trenches, and so we're going to talk about what he's doing to stay fit. With over 20 years of experience fueling pro athletes and now serving high-performing individuals like you and me, Pratik is going to talk to us today about practical lifestyle behaviors that will set you up for success in taking care of your health and serving your family as well. So let's get right into it. Let's lean in and learn from the best. Pratik, let's talk about body composition. It's that time of year where people are like wanting to, you know, tone up lose a little bit of weight, but like, how do you measure body composition? What is a good body composition? There's bioelectrical impedance, there's calipers, there's DEXA, like what should we focus on? Yeah. So measuring body composition is using some type of external piece of equipment to get an indirect measure of your actual body composition, which means, Hey, I'm going to kind of stratify you in terms of your full body mass, which you weigh and break it into fat mass, and then lean body mass, which includes your skeletal mass, your muscle mass. And then if you want to dive deeper into muscle mass, you potentially can with certain types of equipment. But ultimately, that gives us that magic number that everybody loves, which is body fat percentage. And everybody wants to have a lower number or lower than what they currently are at. And there's a variety of different ways to measure it. So you have different machines like a bod pod, which measures air displacement. You have a DEXA, which you lie flat in. It's an x-ray, which kind of stratifies between your bone mineral content, your lean body mass, muscle mass, and then fat mass. There are calipers, you know, just handheld calipers, which measure at specific standardized sites, which tells us how much fat is at that site. You have, like you mentioned, bioelectrical impedance analysis, BIA devices, which measure frequencies that are sent throughout the body, generally based on how much body water content you have. So the more lean body mass you have, the more water content you have because fat mass is less. And all these pieces of equipment are using different types of regression analysis, estimation equations to calculate what your body composition is. So for some of them, they can be pretty accurate, but there's always going to be a little bit of error involved with anything that you end up doing. 
And ultimately the goal is you don't want to jump from machine to machine and compare results to results. So instead of just, hey, stepping on the scale, if you're really wanting to improve the way you look, ultimately the goal would be to lose not just weight, but to lose body fat, maintain the muscle mass you have, or even potentially put on some muscle mass. So we talk about body composition, and again, it's just figuring out how much muscle mass you have versus how much fat mass you have, and you know where is there room for improvement? Okay, so if I want to get started, is bioelectrical impedance bad? Because I know like it can differentiate, like it can give you some error if you aren't hydrated. So if that's all I've got and I consistently hydrate, is that a good way to measure it? Yeah, the thing with the method you choose is if you realize where the errors can come in and you account for it and you do your measurement within the same context, same time of day, you know, it's after an overnight fast, I'm hydrated, I haven't had any influence from eating anything or having like a really tough workout or things that aren't normally within my daily routine the nights before, that'll at least give you a measure that you can compare with over time. So then you can track changes over time, even if that actual measure of whatever your body percentage you are isn't super accurate. Again, there's inherently going to be some differentiation from methodology to methodology. Okay. So as long as you do it under the same conditions, then if it's a little bit inaccurate and you're consistently doing it under the same conditions, you'll be okay. You'll be able to see a trend line of change, correct? Yes. And try not to measure yourself too frequently because I know that it's something that if you have a machine at home or you have easy access to one, maybe at your gym and, you know, hey, you can use it as many times as you want. You have a lot of like just within day changes. And then even the machine itself can be, you know, one day maybe it's running high, maybe it's running low, maybe it hadn't been calibrated appropriately. So rule of thumb is not only just from the research, but just implementation with athletes and clients is give yourself a minimum of eight weeks, ideally around 12 weeks. So generally around three months before doing another test, because you want to have enough time to actually see changes or have your body go through changes before you know, using the information that you get to say, oh, hey, the diet plan is not working. The training plan is not working. got to scrap it. Maybe you're just one of these people that it just takes a little bit longer for you to actually see the changes that you want. That makes a whole lot of sense. So what are good body fat ranges for men and women? And do they change as you age? Yeah. Men and women are different. So I think that's a big thing to recognize that the ranges that you get for athletic men, athletic women, normal men, normal women are all very different. And again, these are just standard general recommendations. It's not based on a DEXA or skin folds. It's just kind of these arbitrary numbers that can and probably should be updated. But for healthy men, what I would say is if you're not an athlete or you're somebody that requires to expend a ton of energy or you have to look a certain way based on what your career is, healthy ranges can be anywhere between 12 to 15% upwards of 20 to 22%. And I know that might seem a little bit high for some people, but you know, the average man, the average healthy man does not need to be walking around at sub 10% body fat. And same thing with women. Women naturally tend to hold a little bit more fat mass, 80 plus mass on their body. You know, just from an evolutionary biological perspective, they are the ones that carry the child, birth the child. They do need the extra fat. So most of it tends to get positioned in and around the hips and the thighs compared to men. So their ranges are a little bit higher but it doesn't mean that they look exponentially fatter. So for healthy women, it can be anywhere from like 17 to 25, 26, high 20s in the percentages. 
in terms of what the body fat range can be. But for athletes, even for the athletic women that I've worked with, so I, you know, I've recently consulted with the high level professional women's team and we did DEXAs on all the athletes. I mean, these athletes are great. They're strong, they're fit. They're really good at what they do. Physically, they're impressive. And they all got DEXAs. And the leanest one that I worked with, and she was really like, did everything we asked of her. Probably one of the best players on the team. She was around 15%. And I mean, she is strong, high, high caliber, high level, national level player. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's a good number. But if somebody from the outside saw that and said like, oh, she's only 15, they'd be like, what? She's an athlete. She's only 15. Like, again, there are differences between men and women in terms of what the ranges are and would want to be. Yeah. I mean, if your body fat's too low, you won't have a period. If you want to get pregnant, that can become very difficult. There's a reason for these things, right? And I also think I'm really glad that kind of our society is moving in the direction of of acceptance of different body types from the standpoint that like 20 years ago, I remember when I was like coming out of college or whatever, it was like this, like everybody kind of looked wafy thin. And that was kind of the ideal. And if you look at decades throughout time, people have like, now it's like, you know, hips and all this other kind of stuff. Like it's, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like people have been attracted and it's now more like in the mainstream fashion world. And unfortunately that kind of drives the way people think about what an ideal body type should look like. And that's why people get body dysmorphia because you look at social media sometimes, you look at different things you're like, that's what the ideal body type is like, eh. It's not healthy. And you know how polarizing sport is. They love posting pictures and physiques of athletes and men and women Mm -hmm. and their training programs and regimens. And I mean, you've worked with them. I've worked with them. We know that these people are, they're the outliers of the population and they're just very unique. And the demands of their sport and them, you know, making a career and making a living require them to be a certain way. So when normal like adults, parents like you and I, we're like, hey, I want to get healthy. I want to look a certain way. And even the clients that I have sometimes like, hey, I need to be, and these are like 40, 50, 60 year old men. They're like, hey, I need to be sub 10% body fat. I'm like, uh, <laughs> let me just be as honest as I can because that's what I have to do as your coach. Mm-hmm. More than likely, you're probably not going to get there and you can, but you have to do some pretty intensive things to be able to get there. It's not just natural. Over time, you have to cut your calories to a certain level. You have to move, you have to train, you have to do aerobic conditioning, low intensity, steady state on top of lifting to maintain muscle mass. You have to cut down your carbs. You have to eat a certain way every single day. And what that does is it allows your body to transform, but it isn't very healthy. You know, it starts influencing hormones. Your metabolism starts kicking down ultimately just to check this box of being sub 10% or 10%. If naturally, that's not really where you need to be. So I think the acceptance of what actually looks aesthetic, not independent, independent of what the magazine's saying, independent of what we look at with athletes, like as a male, you can look really good, really lean, really strong in around 12 to 15%, depending on your frame size and depending on what your genetics kind of have in store for you without having to really be super diligent and calculate every calorie and macro and account for everything that you do and sleep has to be perfect and you can't have a bad day. Otherwise it's going to set you back a week or so. So I think people have a skewed view on what they should look like. And I think sometimes social media, the media plays that too much to where if you see somebody that's in that range, you know, in the teen range or even in the upper teen range, body fat percentage, they can look really good and sustain that for a really long time and live a long and healthy life. Same thing when it comes to females too. 
Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with another parent that you know that's maybe struggling with their fitness or they're looking for ways to stay fit, have a lot of energy, and to serve their family to a high level. Thanks again for joining us, and I'll catch you on the next episode. 